Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. A major development as now Congress has subpoenaed the FBI for a file that a whistleblower says links President Biden to, quote, a criminal scheme involving money for political and policy decisions during the time that he was vice president. And now also some new bombshell details that are about that letter, which the 51 Intel agents signed. And joining us to talk about all of this and more is the great investigative journalist. He's also the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Rita. Glad to join you. Let's start with uh, this big bombshell news about the letter with the 51 Intel agents who signed it. Of course, it was pivotal to try to downplay the Hunter Biden laptop. And Joe Biden himself used it during the debate saying, look, uh, these 51 Intel guys say it's Russian disinformation. Yeah, that's right. And let's take people back to that moment. The Hunter Biden laptop uh, surfaces. It's being attached to Rudy Giuliani. And uh, and a letter comes out with 51 of the most famous intelligence experts in the American community, including several former CIA bosses, including uh, Barack Obama's two former CIA bosses, Mike Morrell and John Brennan, uh, Mike Hayden, uh, really significant, and even um, Leon Panetta, who goes all the way back to the Bill Clinton years. They all signed this letter, and they made it look like it was an organic intelligence event. What does that mean? That members of the intelligence community on their own wanted to issue a warning to America that the Hunter Biden laptop was at at least a Russian information influence operation. And at worst, they said it could be a Russian disinformation operation. At the time they made that statement, they had no basis in proof. We now know that the FBI had authenticated the laptop as real and that the director of national intelligence had no active intelligence that any foreign powers behind the laptop. But these guys wrote that and they made it look like they were doing this as good citizens, as longtime career professionals of the House Intelligence, of the U.S. Intelligence Committee. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Jim Jordan revealed that Mike Morrell, the former CIA director, was the guy that organized it and that he organized it after a phone call with Anthony Blinken, the guy that's now Secretary of State back then, a Biden campaign person, and that Morrell admitted uh, that he was uh, hoping that this would influence the election and sway things to Joe Biden. So it was the first inkling that maybe this operation was potentially political. Now, the big question since that explosive revelation is that what did the others who signed the note know? Well, tonight we know what John Brennan, Obama's former CIA director, very controversial figure, I played a big role in Russian collusion, many other things over the years, spying on Congress. That was another big issue in John Brennan's center. John Brennan was flatly told by Mike Morrell, and I'm going to read you the quote, that the reason this organized this letter was being organized was Morrell was, quote, trying to give the campaign, the Biden campaign, particularly during the debate on Thursday, the last presidential debate of 2020, a talking point to 
to push back on Trump on this issue. Extraordinary. Uh, two CIA directors are concocting a letter. And by the way, John Brennan signs off on it. He writes back after Merrill tells him, hey, this is a political thing. John Brennan says, I'm going to read his exact quote. Okay, Michael, add my name to the list, meaning I'll sign the letter. Good initiative. Thanks for asking me to sign on. So two CIA directors using the intelligence credentials they got by being the chiefs of the U.S. intelligence community were signing a letter misinforming Americans that this Hunter Biden laptop was a disinformation, knowing that their sole reason was they wanted to give Joe Biden a leg up in the debate and give a talking point for Joe Biden to falsely push back on the Hunter Biden laptop in Donald Trump. Our intelligence chiefs concocted this idea. Wow. Now, let me ask you, um, does it say specifically for the debate or is it just the timing no. that infers that? Can you read that again? Because no, no. that is big. Yeah, I'm going to read you this line. Uh, the, the last line of the email that Morrell sends to Brennan, trying to give the campaign, i.e. the Biden campaign, particularly during the debate on Thursday, a talking point to push back on Trump on this issue. He's acknowledging this is for the Biden campaign. And that the point is to uh, be able to, uh, at the debate, Thursday's last debate, the final debate of the 2020 campaign, to give Joe Biden a talking point to push back on Trump on the laptop issue. Really bold, clear, candid. I think it's actually quite remarkable that two former spy chiefs might put this in email to each other. I guess they didn't think it would ever become public. But pretty significant. The letter also goes on to show a lot of the other people that Michael Morrell was trying to press uh, to get Leon Panetta, who did sign it, Sue Gordon, Jay Johnson, Alisa Monaco, now the Deputy Attorney General, Mike Rogers, the former NSA director. By the way, Mike Rogers didn't sign that. A different Mike Rogers signed it, the former House Intelligence Committee chairman, Dan Coates, the former Director of National Intelligence. So Morrell is telling Brendan, I'm going to try to get all of our former intelligence colleagues together and write this letter because I'm trying to help Joe Biden come up with a talking point for the debate. And that talking point as we now know, was false. There was never any evidence that the laptop was disinformation. In fact, the FBI had it for a year. They had already exploited it. They knew it was real. Wow. Well, what does that say to you, how brazen they were that they would actually put it in writing to each other and just kind of matter-of-factly say, hey, we're going to concoct this basically for the debate? That's outrageous. So I talked to a lot of intelligence people in the last couple hours since I obtained this email. We put it up on Just the News to a person, the intelligence experts, some who signed the letter, some who declined to sign the letter, some who weren't approached, but now know so much about the letter. They said the most troubling thing for them is not that someone wanted to get involved in politics, not that they people signed the letter, that they actually thought it was okay as former spies, as former intelligence community members, as people who got their bona fides in the intelligence community at the expense and at the trust of the American people, that they knew they were pulling the wool over American voters' eyes, that they were depriving Americans of making a fully informed decision on the presidential debate. This is a talking point, not a factual letter. It, it really rubbed a lot of the intelligence experts that I've talked to over the last several hours the wrong way, saying, this is just extraordinary. Can't believe they wrote it. Can't believe they put it on paper. But you know what? It's more troubling that they thought it was okay, that they thought the American people were stupid enough to fall for this, and that it was okay to mislead them to help one candidate over the other using the very credentials you and I and every American taxpayer gave them when we hired them be the chiefs of the American intelligence community. So where does it go from here, John Solomon? What do you think could happen now, potentially? Well, listen, there'll be continued shame, right? And Tony Blinken, who is the guy that whose phone call with Mike Morrell 
instigates this letter. That's Mike Morrell's own testimony. He said it triggered him to write the letter. Blinken has been saying, well, it wasn't my idea. I didn't order him to do it. But you know what uh, Blinken did do? A lot of people have missed this in the information that's public. After Blinken had the call with Morrell, uh, and, and Morrell said that gave him the idea to go ahead and do this letter, and he's out telling people, hey, let's go politically try to hijack the debate Thursday night, give him a talking point. Blinken then sent the most important piece of information that the Morrell letter would ultimately conclude. Most of the letter said, hey, this has the hallmarks of a Russian information operation. A Russian information operation can be true, but you know the Russians are pushing it, trying to have some impact. A Russian disinformation campaign, by its definition, means that the information in the laptop is false. That that one paragraph in that letter, that one sentence in the letter that calls it Russian disinformation, which, by the way, all the media seized onto, right? It, it became the cancel culture moment in the debate. Donald Trump can't say this. It's not true. The intelligence community said it's not true. That piece of information was a USA Today uh, fact check article. And who sent that to Mike Morrell? Tony Blinken. So after Blinken has the phone call, he gives him the most important payload that ends up having the most political impact in this letter, the Russian disinformation claim. You've got a secretary of state currently who played a very important role in now what we know to be not an organic intelligence event, but a political event that misled the American people, as Jim Jordan said in his letter, kept the American people from making an informed decision about the Hunter and Byron laptop and Joe, Joe Biden's bona fides. There's going to be serious questions for Tony Blinken. And one of the consequences that many of the lawmakers I've interviewed in the last couple of days are saying they want to pass legislation in the budget that comes out in October 1st, passed in the summer or in the early fall, that will say that all 51 signatories of this letter may never again get a federal contract, a federal job, or have any money spent allowing them to have a security clearance. So there could be a financial penalty here. Secondly, the Federal Election Commission has now opened an investigation into the Biden campaign coordinating this as a corporate contribution, something that's um, forbidden under campaign law. So there could be a regulatory fine, not a big deal, slap on the wrist, a couple hundred thousand dollars, whatever it's going to be. But I think the big thing that Republicans are looking to do now, they're itching to do, defund any future federal contracts, any future federal security clearances, any future federal jobs for anyone who signed this letter. Wow, that would be a biggie. By the way, of course, Secretary of State Blinken now uh, in a recent interview said, oh, he had nothing to do with it. He doesn't play politics. I mean, he made it pretty definitive yeah. that he wasn't what involved. He said was, it wasn't my idea, which is a really cute way, right, of saying that's a non-denial denial. That's what we do journalists call it, right? He doesn't deny he had the conversation. He doesn't deny that the conversation actually caused the letter to be happened. He doesn't deny that he sent the piece of information that made the the letter ultimately. He basically just said, well, it wasn't my idea. We didn't say it was your idea. We said you played a role in its, its formation and, and delivery, and he's not been able to dispute that. Well, we know that um, Senator uh, Cornyn and a number of others have come out, uh, or actually it's Ron Johnson, who's come out and essentially said that he lied uh, under oath when he was nominated for the job as secretary of state. And then at that point said he didn't have communications with Hunter Biden. So there's other layers to this, right? Oh, yes. Listen, it's going to be a very hot summer for some of the Biden officials. I think Merrick Garland's got questions to answer about whether when he told people there was no political interference in the Hunter Biden tax case, whether that's true, because the INS whistleblower is saying it's not true and he's got the receipts to prove it. And he's now gotten whistle that whistleblower has gotten whistleblower status. He can now convey his information to Congress. He's already conveyed it to the Justice Department. So cabinet, one cabinet secretary, Merrick Carlin, is going to be answering those questions. Joe Biden is going to be answering questions if his son is indicted, which a lot of news organizations are reporting he may be, about, hey, you told us there was nothing untoward here. Now your son's been indicted. That's going to be a difficult set of questions for Joe Biden. And of course, the whistle, uh, yesterday, 
revelation that the FBI had some evidence from an informant of a pay-to-play bribery scheme involving Joe Biden. That's going to be part of Joe Biden's. And then Tony Blinken is going to have to answer two questions. What were you doing talking to Mike Morrell? And then when you knew this letter came out and the campaign was behind it and you knew it was a talking point, why didn't you tell the American people? Why didn't you come clean with us? And then two, you told us in 2020, before you became Secretary of State, you assured us you never had any email or phone contacts with Hunter Biden. We found that you did and so did your wife. We're going to ask you some very hard questions. So three major figures, three of the most important figures in the Biden administration, starting with the president, his attorney general and secretary of state, they're going to face a lot of hard questions this spring and summer. What do you make of this new bombshell um, about the FBI being subpoenaed for a file? Tell us about this file. This is a story we broke yesterday about 1.32 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. We know a lot about it. First off, let's describe what it is. It's an FD-1023. That's an alphabet soup form name for the report that FBI officials fill out, what FBI agents fill out when they have an interaction with an official confidential human source, a registered informant. Agent, one or two agents sit down, they debrief the informant, someone that's working undercover um, uh, or as an informer, and they take the information that they think is actionable that needs to be investigated or forwarded on, and they put it on this FD-1023 report. It's an informant report, a confidential human source report. One likely would have been written when Christopher Steele was giving people the Steele dossier and their bogus Russian collusion information. They're written all the time when informants and agents meet to uh, convey information that's actionable intelligence. That's what we know. We know it was written in June 2020. How do we know that? Because the subpoena identifies the date it was written. We also know that the whistleblowers are telling Chuck Grassley and uh, James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, that this wasn't acted upon, that it was very specific, detailed information, and it got buried, that Hunter Biden didn't and Joe Biden didn't get investigated for this. Now, that's a lot. What we don't know is what did the FBI actually do with it? Was there a reason they didn't follow it? Did they turn, determine it wasn't truthful? Or did politics play a role? Those are the questions that Chuck Grassley and James Comer now have the ability to get, starting with subpoenaing the document, reading the document, and then hauling the agents and other people who had something to do with this, maybe even the informant, before Congress to find out, did Joe Biden have a bribery problem in his background? We all hope in the country that's not true, right? No one wants their president to be involved in something so heinous. But we don't know yet. And I think we're in the early stages of what's going to be a long investigative project. And again, another reason why I think the Biden administration is going to find the summer of 2023 to be uncomfortably warm uh, from a political standpoint. How serious is this if it's true? If it's true, uh, a bribery by then a sitting vice president. The allegations are that this occurred in Ukraine. We don't know anymore. Don't know what company, what individuals are involved, but that it occurred in Ukraine when Joe Biden was vice president in charge of Ukraine policy for the United States. It would mean that Joe Biden, if it's true, and again, that's a big if, there's a long way to go. It could be true that an informant passed it on, but the informant's information wasn't good, right? So a lot of options here, short of the worst case scenario. But if it were to be corroborated that this thing actually happened, there was a pay to play, it would mean that a sitting vice president with authority to handle a particular area of policy took actions not for the interests of the United States, but for personal or family enrichment. That would be a very serious serious matter. We're a long way from that being real, but we do have some pointers and a compass pointing at at least the idea 
that discretion needs to be investigated. And that in itself is a little bit uncomfortable for Americans. We don't want to think those things of our president and vice president. We expect them to hold the highest standards. And we were assured by Joe Biden time and again, nothing to this, nothing to this. Soon his son may be indicted. We've learned a lot about Joe Biden meeting with Hunter Biden's business partner, something he denied. Joe Biden's credibility with the American people starting to erode because he told us a lot of things that weren't true. And oh, it was Joe Biden that portrayed this letter as an organic event, something he can fall out and say, don't trust Donald Trump. It's not true. Look at these intel guys. It was his campaign behind it. Another area where he may have lost a lot of credibility with the American public. Explain why also Ukraine is such a sensitive area. I think about Burisma. I think about a lot of these things and also natural gas. And, you know, uh, call me cynical, but look at what's happening also with his position on gas in America. I mean, yeah. and there was questions about him basically, you know, doing gas deals or the sun, at least um, tied to China. I mean, there, there's some interesting things vis-a-vis the way the American policy is going the other way. You are exactly right. And last night I republished something because I think it's so important to the very moment all this information is now coming out. The IRS whistleblower, the 51 intelligence expert letter, and the the real truth about that, it was political, not intelligence. And the allegation that maybe the FBI had some reason to suspect Vice President Joe Biden, soon to be President Biden, in the summer of 2020 might have been involved in broadly. Just put all that in one soup pot. There is a very important email that I surfaced in 2020 that the House and Senate got a hold of in early 21 that the FBI has had in its possession since December of 2019. This is an email from Hunter Biden to his colleague back and forth shortly, literally a few days after Hunter Biden was added to the Burisma Holdings Energy Board. That was the natural gas company in Ukraine. This is the thing that raised the year, months of corruption concerns that played a role in the Trump impeachment. We know two things. We know that when Hunter Biden was hired by this company, his father's own State Department considered the company to be corrupt. And that while Hunter Biden was on the board, the State Department twice received intelligence that this company made bribes to other people. So it was a crooked company in the eyes of the United States government. And yet the vice president's son was working there. We know that the State Department believed that Hunter Biden created the appearance of a conflict of interest by doing this when his father was vice president with Ukraine policy. And we know from an email that I got last year, a formerly classified email, that a senior State Department official said that Hunter Biden's role and activity with Burisma undercut, that's the word in the email, undercut U.S. anti-corruption policy in Ukraine. We know all that now. We didn't in 2020, but we know it now. But there's an email that occurs in April 2014, just a couple of days after Hunter Biden gets put on the Burisma board. It's not even announced yet. The public doesn't find out about Hunter Biden for a month and his hiring at Burisma. But he's on there. And Joe Biden, vice president, is making his first big trip to Ukraine after he's named the Ukraine portfolio chief by Barack Obama. And, Hunt, and Joe Biden surprises people at the speech and says, I'm going to help Ukraine become natural gas impending. I'm going to bring American fracking capabilities to Ukraine, and I'm going to help companies like Burisma. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. No one knew that it was significant because no one knew Hunter Biden was on the board yet. Hunter Biden writes, and, and so one of his colleagues says, hey, this is a big line in the speech. It's a big deal. Hunter Biden says, make sure we tell Burisma uh, that this is something we got in there. Take credit for this. This shows that we're adding value as uh, uh, an employee of Burisma. In other words, they were insinuating they got that line in the president, vice president's speech in there to help Burisma. That is the sort of policy for pay 
allegation that is really concerning Congress today. That email is out there. People can read it. I put it back up on Justin News last night. Wow, that is really explosive. Um, how credible also do you believe this person is, this whistleblower? I know he hasn't been, he or she hasn't been named. I'm talking about the uh, the file, the FBI file one. Uh, real quick, do you believe it's credible? I've known Grassley for a long time. You have too. He always seems like a very good, credible guy. He seems to tout this whistleblower. Yeah, he does. Uh, and he's been a champion of whistleblowers for a long time. Listen, we won't know until we get all the facts, right? Our understanding is that this whistleblower is one of the agents that was somehow involved in the processing of this file. So they kind of know the informant. They know the information in the informant and what's in there. And they have a reason to believe it wasn't acted on. That proximity, if they're that close to the exchange of information in its handling, would give them a lot of credibility and firsthand account testimony. But these things are often complicated. Sometimes agents don't know what decisions were made above them. Maybe there's something they don't know in the files about the informant or about this allegation. Maybe it's been looked by someone else. There's still a lot of possibilities here. And I think as Chuck Grassi said yesterday, we wait and get the facts, but there's a reason to be asking questions about these facts. 1,000%. Everybody be sure to subscribe and share to this podcast. And John Solomon, thank you for all your incredible work and also everything you do and also caring so much about this country and protecting it uh, so beautifully. We love you. We appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much. I love being on your show. I love your podcast. This is always a great conversation. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.